This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast, everyone. This is episode 37, and this is our very first pre-Laricon speaker interview episode. And this also happens to be our very first live recording. So we are on Google Hangouts right now, and uh, we're doing this live for the first time. So, uh, And I accidentally tweeted out the link that allows everybody to join into the Hangout. So my bad. I didn't know that was the thing, but we're having people <laughs> come in into the live thing. So uh so welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we've got with us our very first uh, guest speaker, guest interview uh, person on the show today. As promised, we have with us Mr. Freik van der Herten. Hey. How did I do? <laughs> van der Herten or van der Herten? Van der Herten. Van der Herten. So yeah. Freik van der Herten. You say it pretty good. I, I'd, okay. I'd give it an 8 out of 10. <laughs> All right. 8 out of 10. It's, it's one notch down <laughs> yeah. from where we were before, yeah. but I'll take we'll it. We'll get back I'll up to 10 it. by so, the end of the show, <laughs> okay. I think. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So uh, okay. the format that we're going to take here is we've got kind of probably four or five uh, standard questions that we're interested in asking all the speakers that we're going to have on. And then we've got a couple of listener questions that we've had come in as well. So we'll just go ahead and get started with this uh, list of uh, standard questions we've got here. So, uh, Freik, for anybody who's not sure. familiar with you uh, or where you're from or what it is that you do or what company you work at, would you mind just taking a minute here and introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Um so uh, I'm Frick. I work at a company called uh, called Spassi. I'm uh, a developer there, and I'm also one of the uh, one of the owners. Um, we mainly uh, develop Laravel applications. Um, we exist now, I think, for about ten years or something like that. And we started using Laravel in the in the four days, and um, when we started out using the framework. Yeah, we really, really liked it, but we we missed some functionality, and yeah, I guess that uh, we invented some functionality and open sourced it uh, to to help other people as well. So we mainly create uh, CMS kind of kind of websitey things. So the open source uh, packages that we put out are mainly used to build help to build applications. Uh, like that so yeah that's me yeah perfect that's great um i was uh, it's funny because i had a couple different things here i was going to ask you as far as like hey what version did you start with but you answered most of that for us so can you it, i looked on the website today to see if they had announced what it is that all the speakers are going to be talking about uh and nothing's out there yet so i don't know if you're allowed to talk about it yet or not but are you able to give us just what topic you're kind of speaking on for Laracon this year? Yeah, um, I'm not going into detail about what I'm going to say exactly during the talk, but about a year ago, I created a dashboard with, uh, with Vue and Laravel, and my talk is probably going to be uh, a technical dive into that. Okay, so that's, very cool. Uh, that's very what cool. we'll do, and we'll touch upon all the all the cool things that, uh, that are in there. Excellent. Because... Uh, when uh, when I'm at conferences, I see a lot of talks about the the, the higher concepts and stuff like that. But uh, I think there should be more talks on specific projects or how things were done 
to give uh, practical information. And I'm going to try to do that uh, during my talk. Very good. Yeah, um, I have not gotten around to using that. I know you have had that out there for a little while. I've actually got plans to do that in a couple different places of the business that I work and put it up on some big TVs and, and things like that. But I know it's really popular. Is that one of your more popular uh, packages out there? Well, I don't have a download count of the of the dashboard because it, it isn't on packages. It's, it's just a, a Laravel application that, uh, that you can just uh, copy and, and modify yourself. Whereas with the packages, you, we have a download count uh, from, from packages. But uh, yeah, I tweet this question every, every few months. Just send me some pictures of your customized dashboards and I always get pictures back. So I guess some people are using it. And I think it's it's not for hobby projects only, because I see it also used uh, with uh, with companies that yeah put useful metrics for their company up there. So. I guess it's being used a little. Yeah, that was the idea that I had for it is we have a couple different metrics that we track and it's really helpful for people to be able to see those throughout the day. And, um, you know, it can be a little bit challenging to, or annoying, I guess, for them to have a tab open on their computer all the time. So it'd be nice if we had a big TV or something out in the main area where they could all kind of see their stats for the day. Yeah, we were talking about using it just uh, just this week, actually. So yeah, looking looking forward to having a dive into it because I know that it's been around for for quite a while. So I do look forward to having a play around with using yours as a base, and uh, and I thank you for you know making my my life easier as you do. I'm sure thousands of developers around the world. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm I'm always happy that our, our stuff is is getting used, and I think if you know yeah your way around uh, around Vue and Laravel, and yeah, you you surely do then I think it will be no problem to customize it at all because it's 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 a project that seems a little bit advanced if you, if you don't know it but if you dive a little bit into it then you'll see that it's actually very very easy uh, set set up so yeah as 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 I find with most of your packages so uh, thank you so um one question that that Jake and I do like to ask a lot about or a lot from people that we that we do interview which is something that we find I think kind of unique is that you know how you got into development what sort of drove you towards programming and you know how you got to where you are today basically well it actually started when i was watching laracasts in the in the in the early days uh jeffrey put out a video on on package development and in there he showed that you can uh, run automated tests on Travis and get your little and get the status of your test into GitHub. And yeah, my mind was was really blown by that. And I thought, yeah, I I want to make something where I can use Travis and 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 GitHub. And so uh, at the time, I was busy uh, creating a new version of our company website, and we wanted to have some automated screenshots on there of the projects that uh, that we've made. And then I I created my first package that could create screenshots of, um, of websites programmatically. It's called uh, browser shot. And yeah, it, it was yeah, uh, very exciting to, to code out in, uh, to code out in the open. It's a, it's a very simple package. It's, it's just basically a, a class around uh, phantom JS. And, uh, yeah, it, I got uh, the test up and, and running and it was pretty great. And yeah, I started to get uh, some some traction with that. Some people were were blogging about it, 
And I thought, hey, I I want to do this again. Yeah. And yeah, I, I haven't stopped ever since, I think. Because before we used Laravel at our company, we used uh, we uh, used Zen Framework. And we've built our own kind of mini CMS. And there were lots of functions inside that CMS that just weren't available in, in Laravel or in, in the Laravel packages world. And yeah, so I basically ported them all over to our new CMS that was um, based on Laravel. And I uh, wound up with this folder inside the app directory called services. And I have I got there services analytics, services newsletter, services media library. And I thought, hey, I really want to kill this services library. Yeah. I just want to have them all in the in the package world. So in uh yeah i think the the first like 20 packages that were just cleaning out the the services folder in our application and just putting it all in the in the package world that's pretty funny yeah i actually so, had a similar experience with a couple of my things where it was just like it was sitting in the exact same thing i had a uh you know the name of my company and then slash services underneath that directory and i was like you know what i'm having to copy and paste this into every single one of my applications i'm going to extract this and put it into a package now Granted, it's not a publicly available package. The ones that I've made that are, you know, they're not, some of them aren't necessarily useful to the outside world. They're pretty specific to what we're doing. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's a nice way to do that. It makes it easy to develop it kind of and, and work out all the bugs before, before you have to shift your mindset into yeah, kind of sure. like, I have to push it into a package kind of divorced from the actual structure of the app. Yeah. Yeah, because if you have to copy it into every other application, that's, that's what we did before we had things in the package. Take 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 the the media library package for instance, in the early uh, Laravel applications that we've made, they were all all separate and yeah when you discovered bugs you you uh, fixed them inside A but just forgot to fix them inside B and C and it became a mess after a time mm -hmm. and having it in a package makes it much more easier to distribute all of the bug fixes. Uh, yeah, definitely. So yeah, it. Uh, we we ha took some time to to create those packages, but I'm pretty sure it saved us a lot of time in the long run. So yeah, it certainly does, and it makes it easier to then obviously share those things with other people. And if they're useful for yourself, they you know as you've clearly found that they're going to be useful for other people. So it's a pretty good way if you find yourself just to save yourself time is to start extracting things to packages if for no other reason to stop needing to you know, copy and paste. And as you say, from a maintainability point of view, you only have to update the package in one place and then you just update any project that's depending on it. So, and the nice byproduct of that is that you then, you then can help in the open source community. Yeah, sure. And the open source community helps you back because there were, there were also some packages. I think it's mainly the, the, the Laravel Fractal package, which is a wrapper around the Leaks Fractal package. And that, that package really wrote itself. So I wrote the, the, the basic functionality, just what I needed into the project. And I think in a, a month's time, uh, I got uh, six or seven very good pull requests. And that package now has can do everything that the Fractal package can. And I only wrote, I think, 20% of the, of the package. And yeah, we use it now on, on all our projects. So you, you 
you get some some nice things back from the community as well if you just create uh, create packages. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I think uh, for those of you who are, who this is your first time hearing about Freik, which if you've listened to the podcast before, that can't be the case because we talk about him on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, one of the things that Freik is most well known for in the community is is the fact that uh, Spotty is that how you say it, Spotty. Uh, Spotsy. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so that's pretty good. <laughs> Spotsy is is really well known for all the open source packages that they have, and a large majority of them are Laravel packages that you can pull in. Um, so one of the questions that I had, and, and really a lot of the listener questions that we have, really revolve around this idea of open source and you know where you get ideas for your packages what are the first steps you take when creating a package and, and those sorts of things and we, we can talk about those one of the things i wanted to ask though was you know what role open source kind of plays at Spotsy. uh you know as far as was it an intentional decision on the part of you guys as the owners to say we really want to expose ourselves to new clients through building open source packages and and pushing them out there or was it really kind of just a byproduct of you know needing to have maintainable pieces of code out there that like you said you could bug fix and have them reflect across all of your installations and that sounds kind of more like what it came out of is that a correct assumption uh, well um it, it actually started a little bit uh, like i said in the in the previous question like yeah an experiment of myself because i was just peaked with uh with what jeff was showing and it's a uh, a video on creating creating packages and there really wasn't a big uh, plan at our company to to get known in uh, in open source it just grew out of the the urge to to learn these things and to learn how to code better so we never in the beginning never really had a plan to yeah to 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 get popular with this you know mm-hmm. it's the the popularity is it's just a byproduct and I, I say it in on my blog uh, now and then that the popularity of those packages is not our main goal. It's a, it's a nice benefit, and we do uh, attract clients with it nowadays. But that that wasn't our primary goal. That's a that's a really nice nice benefit of it though. Yeah. Um, but because because we we our our name has a little bit grown in in the open source community, whereas. Previously, I mainly used my free time to create on those packages. We saw, yeah, this is becoming important for the company as well. So now we dedicate some company time to uh, to work on open source as well because we see that it's really beneficial for our company yeah. as well. So it's 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 all grown a little bit organically. We we never had a a big plan of of, uh, of doing this. So and and even now we we don't have a of a plan of yeah we want to make these this package or this package it's it's just yeah we yeah we let it grow as as we go so there 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 isn't a plan for yeah in 2007 we have to create uh, 15 packages or something like that it's just we, we create stuff because uh specific client projects that we uh that we get and for things that just pique our interest so uh that's that's uh, how we create news, how we get ideas for new stuff. Yeah, that answers a lot of the questions that I was asked, uh, you know, to ask you on the show. Um, the One of the other ones, there's a couple of them, but one of the other ones uh, that was out there that I think you've answered before, but I'll ask it here on the air so you can answer it here 
uh, some of your more recent packages only support the latest version of PHP, so like 7.1. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, some people are stuck on older versions and things like that, and I've heard some people in the community be like, well, why aren't you, you know, porting it back to 5.6 or whatever? And I know you've responded to that before, so I just wanted to give you a chance to do that here on air as well. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I get that that people uh, wonder about this, and I I guess it's... It really sucks if you're on an old PHP version and you want to use one of our packages. But like I mentioned before, uh, the popularity of our packages is really not our main goal. And every package that we've made is uh, made for, for a specific client project. And we always try to use the latest PHP versions in for our client project. So right now we're creating everything in, in 7.1. The most things that we do are greenfield things, so we can basically do uh, do whatever we want. And so it makes yeah, kind of sense for us to uh, create those packages you, uh, that have a requirement of the of the latest and greatest version of, of PHP as well, you know? Because in our projects, we use uh, the, the new things like iterable types and uh, yeah, the, the return types and, and such. And it would really suck for us if we couldn't do that in, in, our, in our packages. Because we ourselves don't need PHP 5.6 support, so we are not going to invest time in it. Because those new features in PHP 7 and 7.1 help you write more expressive code and we try to make as as uh, as readable code as we can and we really think that those new features in php 7 and 7.1 can help us do that so that's why we choose for those versions as well but if you need php 5.6 support you yeah you, you have a, a few options you can fork our packages and just maintain your own uh, 5.6 compatible copy. Or what you can also do, but yeah, that's maybe a little bit expensive, you can pay me to do it. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, uh, to invest uh, my free time uh, in it to create code that I'm not going yeah. to use. Yeah, this is the beauty I of think... open source, right? I mean, anybody can fork yeah. the package and, and you know, make a different, a different version that uh, supports the, what they need, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, I... I... I do feel what you're saying there, Freik, and I know that with a couple of packages that I've created, I've tried to sort of maintain at least a couple of versions of support for the Laravel framework, and you just find that things can change, not necessarily significantly, but change enough that between, say, 5.2 and 5.4, some functionality that, that I had relied yeah. on just isn't there anymore. So even just in framework versions, it gets pretty tricky to maintain a yeah. single version that supports multiple versions of the framework and then you end up having to maintain different major releases sure. and it gets a bit messy. But I guess on the back yeah. of what you're saying about always using the latest and greatest, do you or does Sparsi like maintain projects once they're finished and, and hand it off to clients? Like would you go back to a, a 5.6 project and upgrade it to 7 or anything like that? Yeah, well, uh, most of the projects that we have just just stay with us. So we create uh, we create applications and we also manage uh, the the hosting of them. And yeah, after the the project itself is finished, we maintain mm -hmm. it. And for most of our projects, uh, we uh, we have a little maintenance budget. And what we do with it is, uh, if if we have some time, 
to actually upgrade the 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 versions, the PHP versions on the on the server. So for the mo for the projects that we we touch upon and add features to it, first thing we do is is uh, probably go, uh, to upgrade it to the latest and greatest PHP uh, version. And if it's possible, we also upgrade the framework. Very cool. So, one other question that I had, and it's on the back of some work that we are doing at, at my day job, is in terms of having like a base, like a skeleton repository that you start from, If because you, you or Spasia has got one of those, if I recall correctly, is that right? Yeah, sure. Uh, do you um, uh, refer now to, to our Blender report for creating I think that's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you're creating a, a new project from that skeleton, are you then using that as a fork? Like, are you forking from that to then update any application from it? Or do they then become standalone in their own right? It becomes standalone in its own right. So we create a new, uh, a new repo for that new project and we just create uh, what's then the master version of Blender into that new project. And uh, then they're uh, then they're okay. Separate. So you wouldn't use the base repo to then update any of the any of the ones that you've created from it later on. No. Okay. Cool. No. No. But mo- but most of the code in into Blender of Blender is actually in packages. Sure. So we can uh, pull in a lot of bug fixes just by running Composer update. I think if you if you open up composer the composer JSON file of Blender, I think you you'll find I, I think thirty packages of, of our yeah, own cool. in there. So most of the code is already in packages. So it isn't a problem that they're that they're separate. Great. Okay, two questions, final questions. Actually three. I'll try to make this fast. Number one <laughs> no number problem. one, how many shrines have you discovered in Zelda? Oh uh oh, I think around 40 or 50 or something like that this was a listener question by christoph rumpel yeah Ah, and so he's he wanted to know how many (laughs) how many you've discovered so we need (laughs) a lot a lot lot. okay yeah yeah so the most time i spent was in the shrine i think it it was called uh, the the big battle challenge or something like that with a big robot in in there and i think i spent like more more than an hour in that single single dungeon to defeat the thing because yeah i i really wanted to destroy <laughs> it uh but zelda is su- su- such an awesome game so. yeah i've i've yet to check that out i've got to get it michael did you you've got a switch right yeah yeah my i look to be honest i have not played zelda at all it wasn't it wasn't really part of my childhood i was a a sega sega guy growing up so Nintendo stuff wasn't really mm-hmm. big for me, but my wife has sunk a lot of time in it to the point where she's normally, you know, very religious about school nights and she's in bed early, make sure she gets a good night sleep. But for, I think, two or three weeks after Zelda came out, she was coming to bed 10, 11 o'clock and regretting it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. Uh, yeah. All right. Here's my other question. Real, I don't know if there's a quick answer to this one or not. Have you found any great ways to share your named routes between Laravel and Vue. So one thing that's annoying and sort of frustrating to me, I guess maybe it's just, I don't know, it's just like a convention thing that I like to be able to use my named routes wherever I can. And I would love it if I had a way to be able to say like in my Vue uh, stuff when I'm making a Ajax call out or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
use user dot I don't know register or something like that. Have you found any great way to do that, or or do you just hard code all your routes in Vue, or or what's your take on that? Well, actually, in our um, yeah projects where we use Vue, we we haven't come across that that problem yet. Most of our Vue thingies are just yeah single page uh, things that just talk to an API endpoint in Laravel application, but we don't need to pass routes from Laravel to the to the Vue side of things. So can't help you with that one. Okay, no problem. If anybody else is out there listening and they know and they have this figured out, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to hear your solution to that. And then uh, one of the last things that we have here before we let you go, Michael kind of came up with this idea a little while ago. Um, we mm-hmm. are really wanting to put together a playlist for people who are making, uh, you know, who have to travel to Laracon in New York this year. And this should be easy for you because you're a radio guy that plays music and stuff. Yeah. So what we're looking to get is we're looking to get three songs from each uh, of the uh, speakers that we have come on the show. So I don't know if you have those off the top of your head or if we could get those from you at some other point, but uh, even if you just had one or two that you like that we could listen to in advance, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we will publish a Spotify playlist of them. So fingers crossed they're, they're on Spotify as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll select a, a few songs. Uh, I think for the occasion, because it's for, uh, for the Laracon thing, I'll just select some New York bands. That'd be awesome. So Very nice. That's a, that's, a, that's a nice theme, right? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, send Absolutely. them through and we will so uh, publish I'll them. I'll send those to you uh, yeah, in, a, in, a, in a bit. Very cool. Yeah, and we'll have those in the show notes for uh, anybody who wants to... Well, I don't know. Should we do that, Michael, or should we keep it a secret? What do you think? Um, I think we'll publish them as, as we go along, maybe. Yeah, perfect. Sounds great. Well, So we'll put those in the show notes and we'll have links to those. And then we'll be making a Spotify uh, playlist as well as we kind of go along in the weeks. But uh, I think that's about it. I think that we've, uh, we've gotten a good amount of time here. And uh, it's been really great talking to you. I've got to know you a little bit better for sure. This is our first time we've been able to kind of oh. talk in person. I say in person, but you know what I mean, over the internet. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been great catching up with you, hearing a little bit about your background and what you guys are doing over there at Spotsy. Hey. And... Uh, yeah. yeah, and I wanted yeah, to sure. say Dankjewel, uh, uh, which is thank you in Dutch, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a 10 out of 10, uh, <laughs> yes! Jacob. There so. we go. The coveted 10 out of 10. Very nice. So I can't wait to meet you guys in person at uh, at Laracon. I'm really looking forward to the event. So uh, Yeah, I'm really awesome. looking forward yes, to meeting you. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for coming on, Fredek. Uh We look forward to seeing you at Laracon this year and uh, hearing your talk. Okay, thank yep, you. Absolutely. See ya, guys. Varvel. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Well, that was uh, really good talking to Freik. That was a, sorry, that was a terrible. That was really great talking to Freik. Yeah. Freik van der Herten. <laughs> and I did get a 10 out of 10 on the, uh, I can't even remember what it was now. He said thank saying, you. Yeah. Thank you. In Dutch. That's right. Yanda something, I don't remember. Well, we've got a couple other things we wanted to talk about today. Uh, we have a couple sections here. So we've kind of got it broken up into Laravel Core. Uh, I've got a couple announcements there. We've got a couple new packages that came out this last week. And then we've got a couple things that were going on in the community that we wanted to let you all know about. So let's go ahead and start with what's happened in Laravel Core this week. We've got some updates with 5.4. Michael, do you want to fill us in on that? Yes, sir. So Laravel 5.4.20 has now been released and there are uh, probably about a dozen different pull requests that were merged in 
in that release, but we're just going to talk about a couple of them. And if you want to learn any more about what went in, obviously check out the show notes. We'll have the link in there. One that has been fairly popular in recent times is the tap method. So what the tap method does is allows you to pass in a value and a callback. And then what will happen is that Laravel will process the callback function passing in the original value and then return the original value. So this is really helpful if you want to do something like update a user model and then return the uh, the modified model, whereas you can't really do that with uh, if you call you know update directly on user. If you were to call user arrow update, you would get a boolean response, you know, indicating um, you know that the, that the update had been successful. So with the tap, you could you could pass in you know dollar user and then a callback, which would be your update method. But what we've got here in 5.4.20 is it's been implemented in such a way that it is can now be called as a higher order method. So instead of passing that second parameter that'll be a function, what, what you can actually do is omit the second parameter and call any method on the first parameter. So in this case, the user model directly on the result of the tap. So you could call tap user and then arrow update and then do your update and then you would get back the modified user uh, model. So that makes accessing that stuff a little simpler. And Taylor did have a post out there this week where he talked about this, um, or maybe it was last week, I can't remember. Is that the tap, tap, tap one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, and because I was kind of wondering the same thing. I was like, okay, what's what's a good use case for this? And he said, you know, this was his most common use case is, is this exact one that you just described. And I've run into this a couple of times as well, where I've tried to get the result of an update function and, oh, that's right, it's a Boolean value and it's not the actual model that I was expecting. So uh, I am going to be using this in the future for sure. Uh, another one that was added that I thought was interesting is this model factory lazy method. So uh, if you take a look at it uh, in the show notes again, what you'll notice is that if you're making a model factory and what those are is basically they allow you to very quickly create a either a model in memory or in the database uh, really quickly using fake values. And so sometimes what you have is when you're trying to do this in a test, you are also need Uh, Let's say you have a payment and that payment belongs to a user. So you need a user ID. Well, your options are either to make a user uh, using a model factory and then pass that user ID into your payment. Or what this allows you to do is it allows you to, in your model factory for your payment, uh, allows you to be able to make that user right in line in there really easily. And so what you previously had to do is pass a closure. And this allows you to basically just say factory user, and then lazy, which means it will create it after the fact, uh, or actually, I guess before, before the fact, and then enter, uh, insert the ID of the user at that point. So looks interesting and, uh, check it out in the show notes. Yeah. Well, let's see what else we've got. We've got, uh, a couple two things actually for Laravel 5.5 that were announced this week. The first one is that, and this was uh, on Twitter for a while. It was kind of hot on Twitter. There's quite a bit of discussion around this. So in, in your controllers, you have the ability to call this validate, and that will accept a request object and then in a, a array of rules. And it will run those rules against that request and make sure that all those validations pass. But what we're introducing in 5.5 is that after that, this validate is, is done, what it will now do is it will return 
those values from the request that you actually validated. So there's a couple gotchas here. Uh, this is a really cool feature. Michael, what are some of the little things we need to be aware of uh, when we're using this? So I suppose the first and foremost thing that you want to be aware of is the fact that this method, when you call validate, it's only going to return the data that was validated. So if you are validating the name of a product, for example, if you're validating the input for a product, for example, you would have, you know, the name, the price and the category that it exists in. So if your validation was for those three rules, the validate method would only return the, uh, the data from the request with those keys. So if you were passing in name, price and category, but you had some other data in there that didn't need validation and you just wanted to, you know, a description maybe, well, you wouldn't be able to use this particular method. So the, unless you were to then pass, you know, description into the validation rules as an empty array or an empty string so that you would get that value back again. And what, what this is doing in the background is if you've ever used request only, uh, what that allows you to do is it allows you to pass an array of the keys that you want to get out of the request. And that's what this is using in the background is it's saying, grab me all of the keys that are in the validation rules and grab those out of the request. So one workaround that you can do if you don't want to do any validation on a, on a value that you're wanting to get out of the request and you're still wanting to take advantage of this this validate. So what you can do is you can pass an empty array in for the rule set of that key and that will allow that value to be returned uh, mm. with the, along with the rest of them. And uh, then what you can do really is you can say data this validate and then you can just pass that data in uh, if you're going to create a model or something like that. So it looks, pretty, looks yeah. pretty handy. The important thing to note here is that you don't have to use the response from the, the validate method. You know, you can use that validation as you've continued to, or as you've used it in the past and then just continue to use request only and pass in what you want that way. So, you know, it's it's entirely up to you. If you're if you're only ever going to be passing in to your model, for example, the values that you have been validated, you know, you're protecting yourself against mass assignment and things like that, this is a great way of going about it. And it certainly simplifies um, what you what code you're writing and, and cuts down how much code you're writing. I was just gonna say you're right. It looks a lot. It looks really clean uh, if you look at the kind of they have like okay before this is what you would have done after this is what you do and it looks really clean. Yeah, and, and the validate will still throw an exception where it would where it would have previously, so you don't have to worry too much about that. But but the other thing that has gone along with this and this is where some of the extra con- controversy came from was around being able to call the validate method directly against the request object. So there's there's probably some criticism around whether that is, you know, the correct place to do it. It certainly cleans up your code. And if that is how you feel like you want to write the code, then you certainly can. So you can call um, using the request helper, just request validate and then just pass it an array of rules. And that that's shortening your code even further. Something that I had I had hoped for for a little while and now now that it's coming in five five in July, I will eagerly be waiting using it i was not aware of that was that was that in the same pull request so you can call uh the request global helper and uh, then call validate on it yeah it was a se- subsequent pull request um when i had seen okay. the when i had seen i think joseph silver he had posted the original uh screenshot of the of the change and the link to the the pull request i had suggested uh, the next step would be to get this happening on the on the request object so he he's submitted a pull request and that's now been merged in as well so it's adding validate as a as a request macro very good okay audience participation time get your hands ready for any of you who have ever been frustrated 
by the default Laravel error page, the one that says, whoops, something went wrong. Go ahead and raise your hand at your desk or in, in your place of employment or if you're working out at the gym, just go ahead, raise, raise your hand up. <laughs> yeah, I've got my hand raised. Michael, have you, do you have your hand up? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so good news for all of us who have ever been frustrated. That It's so embarrassing, by the way, when that happens, isn't it? It's kind of funny you when you see it out in the wild. You yeah. see like a whoop something wild and you're like, oh my gosh, they're using Laravel too. <laughs> it's kind of a, I don't know, it's camaraderie, right? Yeah. Uh, but in 5.5, we have some improvements with the default error uh, error views. So Michael, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So, I mean, the big part is that it it is not that default sort of symphony whoops page anymore. It's more in line with the design that's used for the default welcome page. So yeah, in, instead of getting that gray screen with the with the uh, serif font that says "Whoops, like something is wrong" or "Something went wrong," now it's you know that Laravel look that we've come to know and love that says exactly the same thing. Yeah, and it ships with a couple different error pages that it didn't before, right? Typically, that was like that was the only one. Um, now you've been able to add in your own error pages really easily for quite a while now. I don't remember what version it came in on, but uh, it's been for quite a while. But this kind of gives you a template to extend uh, where it easily just, it's kind of componentized. So it makes it easy for a, just a nice centered on the page message in a nice looking font and really clean and makes it easy to change out that message. So I think, I think it ships with a 500, a 404, a 403, a couple other ones. So yeah, yeah. check that out and uh, use it. Okay. So that's pretty much all the stuff that's Laravel core. We've got three different packages that we wanted to talk about this week. And so the first one is an interactive make command. So we've talked about these a couple other times on the show where you can do something like PHP artisan make controller, and then you can do resourceful controller, or, you know, there was another one with a nested resource controller that we talked about that got pulled in recently. There's migrations, there's models, there's notifications. And it can be difficult to remember all the flags that can go along with those and all the options that you have without having to refer back to the documentation all the time. Mm -hmm. So this package is pretty cool. It allows you to do PHP artisan make, and then it will list out all of the different make commands that you have available. So auth, controller, command, event, job, listener, whatever. And then as you do it one step at a time, it'll essentially provide you prompts to ask you what you want to do with the different options that you have on that particular command. So it's it's really neat and it allows you to get the um, full benefit of using these make commands without having to remember the list of arguments. Now, you know, I tend to use a lot of the same ones over and over. So I've got some of those arguments memorized. But if you're A, new to Laravel, B, You've never used some of these makes because I mean, there's literally like, I mean, there's what, 10, 10, 11 of them here, which I didn't even know some of these were available or see if you're just tired of trying to memorize things. These, these are all good reasons to check this yeah. package out. So yeah, definitely do so. We'll link it up in the show notes. Yeah. I know other than auth, controller and model, which I use fairly frequently, any of those other ones, I'm always running, you know, PHP artisan help make whatever to yep. find out what yep. the options and the arguments are. So this is certainly going to speed that up. And it's an external package. It's released under the Lar Academy organization on on GitHub. So I think it's Michael McMullen looks like is the, the main contributor from Tutelage Systems. So uh, shout out to Michael for that. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll definitely be using this. All right. What else we got, Michael? Uh, the other package or not package, I suppose it's uh, 
a free SAS that was released by Bobby Booman. Booman? Bauman. Bobby, you'll have to let me know if which one of those is correct or if neither of those is correct. Um, but but he, he released, it's, it's a simple idea that he's, you know, put together over a weekend and um, basically it allows you to generate custom Markdown mail themes. So this is a feature that's been around since 5.4, I believe. And in 5.5, you'll be able to customize the theme per mailable. I think that is correct, Jake. Do you know? Um, let me see. Customize it per mailable. Uh, yes, I believe that's a feature in Laravel where you can specify, yeah. you can specify what theme you want to use for a specific, you know, mailable. And I think that just came in recently. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose you could use this to generate as many any number of themes that you want. And it really is just a, you know, it's a it's a little styler. So along the left hand side, it gives you all the options for the different things that you can change the colors and font size or whatever. And then you just click them. It has a little color picker, and then you select the color, or you can paste it in, uh, you know, from your SAS file or whatever. And and away you go. And so it makes it really easy to generate those themes and then save them down to your uh, particular app and then yeah. consume them. Yeah, so it lets you modify uh, the background, your buttons. So you've got the the blue, the green, and the red. So the, the info and the success and the, and the danger kind of colors. It lets you change the color of your links and your text and, and borders and all that kind of stuff. So it makes it really simple. I mean, not that it's... It's difficult, but it makes it easy to sort of generate these things in a, you know, with a preview of it in the browser straight away. And then you just copy and paste, um, you know, either the markdown theme or the HTML and the, and the CSS. So thanks, Bobby. Yeah, I think that's the big, I think that's the big advantage is the live preview. Yeah. So you're not having to, you know, of course, we just recently had what, where you can uh, render a mailable to a, uh, it'll render a view, right? I think Frank asked for that and mm-hmm. they pulled mm-hmm. that in. So uh, where we talked about that a couple of weeks ago where you can just say mailable and then render or something like that. And it will, uh, if you just did a little test route to it, you'd be able to to try that out. So in any case, uh, it's really cool. You just check it out. Yeah. Uh, we also have the Laravel language manager. So uh, Mohammed uh, was responsible for kind of converting some of this to a JSON format. It was previously done through an array config, I believe. So Laravel uh, language files are now managed through JSON and he has made a little, I think it's a package. Yeah, it's a package called Laravel language manager and it gives you a little GUI uh, for managing your JSON language files in your Laravel project. So I won't go into too much detail. It's pretty self-explanatory. You have all the keys kind of on the left-hand side, you click it and it allows you to change what the language uh, or, you know, what it actually is in your language file along the right-hand side. Uh, But uh, you know, for people who have tried to wrangle large JSON files, it can, uh, you know, this could be a welcome relief. And just here's a question for you, Michael. Yeah. I, I kind of bounce between the two, JSON and JSON or JSON. Which do you use? What's your pre- what's your preferred method of pronunciation? I, I heavily emphasize JSON because I have someone that works with me called JSON. <laughs> and of course, he's now renamed himself on Slack to JSON. So it, nice. we have to be careful when we're saying, you know, Jason and JSON so that he doesn't, he doesn't perk his ears up when we don't want him to. <laughs> yeah, this isn't like as hotly debated as GIF or JIF, mm-hmm. uh, but I hear different people say it different ways. So, yeah, I was just curious. 
Yep. So I think that's it for uh, packages and SaaS uh, stuff. Yeah. So we've got a couple things that happened in the community. Uh, one that was really cool, and we've talked a little bit about this before, where you know Laravel is something that's not used just in the U.S. and Canada, or whatever, but this is literally used all over the world. So had a cool announcement about a meetup that happened over in Nigeria. If you want to tell us a little bit about that, yeah. So as as you say, Jake, we talked about Laravel Live India probably know, about a month ago. Um, and now, yeah, Laravel Nigeria had their first meetup and they had over 150 people in attendance. Um, That's so awesome. Congratulations to the folks out in Nigeria. I think it was the, the meetup was held in Lagos and Neo Igodara, I guess is how you pronounce his last name. Nicely done. Had an had a event recap that he posted up and just a little bit from that, he said that one of the goals that they set out to achieve was to raise the standards. So the meetup trend is very much in its infancy and so there is much to be done, but they wanted to, to be the standard by which all other meetups are measured. When they first started setting up the meetup page where people could join the community and also where people could RSVP to the meetup page, they started getting people joining almost immediately. Um, so they recorded their talks and thanks to Pusher, they were able to release those talks and the speaker slide decks, which, are, which we will obviously link up in the show notes. But congratulations again to the people responsible for organizing and, and getting that off the ground. It's, uh, it's always fantastic to see such a great turnout and um, engagement from the community, you know, just off its own, own uh, I guess, volition, you know, just off their own, own two feet, just getting, getting together and getting these kind of things done. Yeah. Uh, the one other thing that I wanted to mention before we let everybody go here, I know this has been a longer episode, so this will be the last thing I promise. PHP Roundtable is a podcast hosted by Sammy K, I believe. And so I've listened to that quite a few times and they had a Laravel edition. So they had Taylor and Muhammad and Jeffrey and Adam and Dries Vince on there this last week. And so you can check it out on YouTube or you can look at it or find it in your podcatcher of choice. So check that out when you get a chance and uh, support that podcast. They yeah. do a really great job. I'm not sure Sammy has put out the audio only version, but we'll certainly link up the, the YouTube recording in the show notes. For sure. All right. Well, that is it for me. Uh, I am all out of stuff. Pretty cool week. Lots of stuff going on in Laravel uh, core. Five 5.5 is getting better every day. I'm more yeah. and more excited to yeah. to have it in production pretty you know yeah. as, as soon as possible. Yeah, every time we seem to think that the Laravel has run out of steam, Taylor always finds some new things in the community. And he always finds some new things to add and change and improve the framework. So always great to see that that continuing to happen, and I hope the trend continues for a long time to come. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening today. This is episode 37, so you can find the show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 37. If you like the show, please feel free to rate it up five stars in your podcatcher of choice. We'd really appreciate it. If you have any questions for Michael or I, feel free to reach out to us at Laravel News on Twitter or on our personal Twitter accounts. Michael, thanks so much for... Uh, Taking some time to talk to me, man. No worries. And don't forget, we'll have the uh, the link in the show notes as well for the the Road to Laracon Spotify playlist. Freik has, has sent me his tunes. I've also got some tunes from a few other people in the community, but I think I'm going to keep it to myself who owns each of those songs and we'll see if the uh, community wants to play. It'll be of, a big mystery. Yeah, see if the community wants to play a big guessing game. Sweet. Sounds good. Hey, do you have any foreign language goodbyes for us this I week? I do. Just, just on, on theme because we had Freikon, I'm going to say goodbye in, in Dutch this week. Let's and that hear is, it. 
That is Varvel. Nice. It sounds like Laravel. It does. It does. <laughs> Maybe that's why Frank was drawn to it in, in actuality. There we go. All right, man. Take it easy. We'll see you. See you, mate. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Very cool. We've got people. So help me understand how this works, guys, as far as people joining in. Hey, welcome. How's it going, buddy? Is it David? Dan, I think. Dan or David? Daniel. Daniel. Hey, man. How's it going? No, you're all right. Yeah, I'm not sure how this... I'm not sure how any of this works, uh, Eric. I, so you're going to have to... Uh, did Eric tweet out the live link? <laughs> the t- <laughs> Maybe I did. I don't know. Okay, let me look real quick. Did I did I post the wrong link out? I posted all I did is I just posted the link. Oh, you put that, the hangout uh, video. Yeah, you don't want to post that hangout video. Oh no. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me go to my profile and I gotta delete my tweet. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show though. You're on. You're on you're being recorded right now. No, I'm just kidding. You're not really. Okay, okay. We're fine. All right, I deleted it. I deleted it. Okay, we should be all set. All right, yeah, the YouTube link. All right, is so good. why don't we? Uh, we've had a chance just to talk a little bit here. Why don't we go ahead and uh, get started with the show? And then Michael, you're going to mix this in later, right? Yes, sir. Awesome. Very cool. All right. So here's the intro. Da da da. Welcome to the Level News Podcast, and I'll start. <laughs>